Good morning, everybody. Corey Frills here with the LTW Group. And today I have on with me Marie Lovett and Becca Ruckert. And um, Marie is our guest today. I can't wait to introduce her to you guys. I'm going to get my super boring mortgage-backed security part out of the way. But this is an important week for us. So we had uh, a much-anticipated inflation report come out on May 10th. Um, that was very favorable for bonds and thus mortgage bonds. So we continue to see signs that inflation is cooling. When inflation cools, so do bonds. And when bond or bonds improve, I should say, when bonds improve, then our mortgage rates improve. So we are um, set up, my friends, for a nice summer in cooling interest rates. Um, and that's going to be beneficial for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, is affordability. Um, what you're hearing a lot of now is like, well, I really don't need more demand. I don't need more affordability. I need more houses. Um, but, but interest rates work for that too, right? So there's a lot of people out there that are held captive by these super low interest rates. And so when we get interest rates lower, um, that's going to be beneficial for us uh, in an inventory perspective as well, because people are going to be more willing to move. So um, hang in there. I know it was a really scary uh winner for some of us. and uh, But man, we are absolutely blowing and going here at the LTW Group. We are very busy um, with a lot of activity. And so super excited for the summer and appreciative of all of you. So that's all I got for today. If you're interested or care about any of that, you can call me and I'll put you to sleep later. I have Marie Lovett on with me today. And she's an associate financial planner um, with a unique group that I'll let her tell you a little more about. Um, but what I love about Marie is Marie, when you think about financial planners, <clears throat> I think a lot of times you think about like pie charts and um, ratios, like a 60-40 portfolio, or, or you think about some like a stock picker. And Marie spends no time talking about those things. I've never been a client of Marie, so I'll be, I'll be fair about that. But Marie spends all of her time talking about what I believe is probably the most undervalued piece of finance, which is your personal relationship with money and how it affects your life. And so, I mean, we we talked, we went for 15 minutes and we were like, we have to stop. Before we started recording, we just rambled for 15 minutes. It's like, we need to put the button, we need to, we had to press the button because this is going to be, first of all, we're missing too much good stuff. Um, and second, we're going to run way over time if we don't get started. So this is probably going to be a longer one. Um, than you guys are used to, but I promise you it's going to be worth it. You are going to love hearing from Marie. So Marie, um, I hope I did okay introducing you. Um, yeah, you did perfect. Okay. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. So um, title of today's podcast is how to talk to your honey about money. Is that right? That's right. How to okay. talk to your honey about money, which is sounds super fun, right? Uh <laughs> Admittedly, this is not something I'm great at. So I'm interested to hear um, and learn, and I've got my notepad out. So um, let's just start with a little bit like statistics wise. I mean, why do you think it's so important for, for couples to talk about money? Yeah, well, the statistics don't lie. Um, I'm going to start with one of the more positive statistics, and then I'll share just a couple of the other less happy statistics. And that is um, due to various reports, I see like Ramsey Solutions, um, some various statistics you can find online if you wanted to search for them. Up to 87% of people will say that their marriage is great. 
And that is because they work with their partner to set long-term financial goals. So when I share these next few statistics with you, if this is not motivator enough to start talking about money with your partner, I don't know what is. Because on the flip side, uh, money issues are one of the top three reasons for divorce per the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysis. analysis analysts. Whoops. Um, in debt, duh, creates a bigger strain on a relationship. So 48% of couples with $50,000 or more in debt, you know, that could be credit card debt, student loan debt, car debt. They say that money is the top reason for arguments. Well, that makes sense, right? So if we're not talking to our partner about money and we don't feel comfortable sharing this information with our partner, then it can create a major financial strain on a relationship. And then lastly, I think this one is an interesting one. 33% um, of people have hidden a purchase from their partner because they felt like their partner wouldn't approve or would be upset. Do you know what that's called? Uh, I do because I have the notes, but I love it. So I think you should say it. <laughs> well, it's called it's called financial infidelity, which sounds like terror. I don't know about you, but for yeah, me, financial oof, infidelity makes me feel sounds, dirty. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that sounds like like I'm relationally infidel, like whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't sound good and it doesn't feel good either. I'm imagining I've not done this unless it was a gift or something, which Jason will, my husband, Jason will tell you, I can't keep a secret for the life mm -hmm. of me. Um, when, especially if it's gifts, but I will say that like, I can imagine that that would create a lot of stress and pressure on a couple. If you're trying to hide things from them, um, from a financial perspective. And so I was listening to a podcast recently, actually, and, and it had nothing to do with money. It was actually just about relationships, but <clears throat> it was an eye opener that when you are in a relationship, you know, like if someone were to ask you, when you go into a relationship, how much of yourself are you going to give? Are you going to give 50%, 100%, 150% of yourself to that relationship? And a lot of people um, that this person was working with, she was like a couples therapist, was saying that people will say they give 50% to the marriage or to the relationship. Well, it might sound like a well, duh moment, but if you go to work and you only give 50%, are you going to expect to get a raise? Are you mm. going to expect your clients to like you or work well with you or trust you? And the answer is no, you have to give 100%. Each person in a relationship has to give 100%. Mm -hmm. If you're in a laugh, because she said, if you're giving 150%, that's called codependency. So that's not good either. So you <laughs> want to give 100%. Of that. yourself to the relationship. And so when it comes to talking about money, there is generally one person in the relationship, and no surprise, that's me in my relationship, that likes talking about money, wants to talk about money, is kind of like the doer of all the money things in the household. And then there's typically one person in the relationship that's kind of hands off. And while that's okay, it's not okay for the person who is hands off to not give 100% of themselves to that partnership when it comes to talking about money. Yeah, I love that. 150% being codependent is awesome. <laughs> um, so, and I and I, I don't want to skip ahead too far. Do we, what do you think is, is the core motivation? I mean, why do people have such a hard time talking about money? I mean, what makes it so difficult? A lot of things. Um, I want to take it back to like the dating world, right? Um, and, I, and I'm a woman, obviously, I'm going to speak to you coming from a woman's perspective, but let's say you're on a date, you're on date number six, number seven, number eight, and 
you're someone like me who has a lot of really deep ingrained thoughts about money and financial wellness and a future with, you know, money is very, was very scary to me. And I'll talk a little bit about that later, but when you're on a date with somebody and I want to ask you just like point blank, I wouldn't, but I want to, how are you with money? Do you have credit card debt? Do you have student loans? Like these are things that we don't typically talk about when we're in a dating, early dating relationship, but we should. It's just really uncomfortable because especially coming from a woman's perspective, if you were to ask somebody that you're dating, you know, how much debt do you have? Or, you know, there are better ways to ask these questions, but if you're asking them money questions, it's kind of like, oh man, do they think I'm a gold digger? Do they Mm. think I'm only in this for the money? Um, So there's a lot of really uncomfortable feelings around talking about money specifically for women. Mm. Um, But I, I do believe that a lot of it comes down to a lack of communication between couples when it comes to specifically money. But that is also more deeply ingrained in more rooted issues, which um, Brad Klontz is a really well-known leader in the world of financial therapy. And he knew there was such a thing. Financial therapy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could all use a little financial therapy. No, I believe it. I just didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah, we actually talk a lot about it with um, our, so I work for Experience Your Wealth, and we are a small team of just three people right now, and we talk about financial therapy all the time, and it's actually something that uh, once I get through this year, we, I have really big intentions to kind of go through more financial therapy courses, because I'm, I'm not a financial therapist, I'm a financial planner, and the two, a financial therapist and a financial planner could work really well together to better help clients. Um, But a lot of clients could really use financial therapy and therapy. I'll just throw in a little plug that we talk about all the time in our team is that like therapy is great. Therapy is never anything to be ashamed of, uh, to feel yucky about. It's just sometimes you need that third party. That's not mixed into your whole life. That can Mm -hmm. just be an outside perspective. So Therapy is great. But yes, financial therapy, Brad Klontz, um, really well known in the industry. He has what are called money scripts. And just a high level overview, what money scripts are is like, what did you learn about money growing up? How did that impact how you make decisions today or how you feel or your biases around money? Um, So there's four money scripts, money avoidance, money worship, money status and money vigilance. You can Google it. We can share the details with you. There's actually a fun little quiz that you can take for free to figure out what your money script is. Hmm. Um, And I'll ask you, Corey, if you feel comfortable sharing after I share a personal um, kind of tidbit, but my money script is very obvious to to the people that know me really well. My money script is money vigilance. And what, what that means is that I value the security of money. I want to save money. I want to feel like we're doing well preparing for our future. And sometimes, you know, clients will come to us and say, I want to retire or I want to save for retirement. I want to prioritize saving for retirement. And every reason, and I'm going to say this really slowly and and pause for a second, but every reason has a why. It's not that I want to retire. You know, like it's not just that that person wants to retire or wants to retire with a large sum of money. There is a why behind the reason that person values that so much. So as a personal example, my money vigilance will come from 
my story growing up with money. My mom, um, I remember, would wait at the mailbox for the mailman to bring the child support check. I remember checks being bounced at the grocery store. I remember cars being repossessed. I remember moving from a beautiful home, the only home we ever lived in, um, was this beautiful home in Michigan. Um, we always, had always lived in apartments, moved into this beautiful home, and then I don't know what happened still to this day, but we ended up moving out of this beautiful, massive home into a single wide trailer. And I just remember growing up, I just kept telling myself, I'm never going to be that person. I'm never going to feel those feelings again. I'm never going to watch my car get taken away. Never going to feel the embarrassment of that. I'm sure my mom felt right of, of having checks bounce and not being able to feed your children. And all of these things fed into why I'm a little bit more uh, disciplined with money and likely why I ended up in the industry that I'm in because I want to help provide financial support for young families in a way that is affordable and helpful and comprehensive in so many ways. Um, but I shared that personal example because, you know, if my husband didn't know all of that about my history growing up, he could really easily get frustrated with me with my inability to go on a vacation and not worry about money. Or he could be easily frustrated with me if I I want to talk about money. Like we talk about money a lot in this household. And that's because we have goals and we have plans and there are things that we want to do with it. And, you know, money isn't something that needs to be a source of frustration. Money should be freedom, right? Money mm -hmm. should be exciting and money can bring all these things that you want to do with your life. But it's so important for couples to spend the time and be genuinely curious about how their partner grew up with money what they learned about money or what they didn't learn about money is actually a bigger thing um, in order to have a little compassion for why they do what they do. I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at these and I've the one I probably identify with the most. I hate the name of it. And <laughs> I disagree with uh, the way that I just feel like this is very a uh, little direct and, you know, we could be softer with this one. Um, but I would, the money worship blech, um, <laughs> is probably, I, I would not say I do not worship money, uh, but I do value it for freedom and uh, powers gross, but influence, I guess is a better word for that. Um, and then I'd probably do fall into that. If I just buy X, I will be happy. I'm the spender in our relationship for sure. Um, and um and I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. It obviously you had a little head start in planning for this. Uh, <laughs> you've been through this exercise. I, you know, I didn't grow up. We didn't grow up with any kind of significant resources, but we didn't lack for much either, right? I mean, we had very very stable childhood. Um, lived in homes my whole life. We three houses within probably a mile of each other that I that I grew up in in Loudoun County. Um, I, I have funny, like just small memories, you know, uh, I remember my parents doing the Dave Ramsey thing and I can see my mom at our kitchen table cutting credit cards, you know, um, I remember, um, I remember being in Charleston. I used to, my grandfather, my grandparents and I were really close. My grandfather's passed away. He and I were really, really close and we traveled a lot. And I would travel with them a lot. Um, and we would go to Charleston, South Carolina, probably twice a year. 
And um, I remember um, we always stayed at the Red Roof Inn. So my grandfather would travel. I mean, they would travel like they would probably go on 10, 15 trips a year. Their big one was they would go to California for two weeks. And I went I went with them on that one, too, on the cheap. I mean, we would leave my my grandfather so tight. He would order a Coke with no ice and a cup of ice in the drive-thru. That's how tight he is. I mean, that was, <laughs> that's tight. And um, we would share, we'd go to Burger King. We would share a senior drink because you can get refills. I mean, tight. Um, <laughs> I can, I, if I, I can think of millions of stories. He loved Tennessee football, was not going to pay for tickets. So he was an usher for 30 years. He worked as, a, as an usher, Tennessee football for 30 years. Um, so he, he did, you know, it turns out he, when he, after he passed away, I helped my grandmother with um, their finances and um, you know, he, he, he had a pension. He worked at the plants um, and he lived below his means. And I think, I think if you didn't know um, the, the perception would be, Oh, Papa's got all this money and he just doesn't want to spend it, you know? Well, not really. I mean, it, he was smart. He wanted to make sure that he wanted to travel and do things, but he wanted to do so in a way that he could still take care of my grandmother when he passed away. And and he did. And so anyway, um, I, I think about one particular memory that's kind of funny is I remember when I was little, we stayed at the Red Roof Inn uh, and we would be walking around, obviously Charleston Place. In, in downtown Charleston, I'm like, one day, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to stay there. So for a third wedding anniversary, we went to Charleston. And I was like, I'm booking Charleston place, you know, so um, actually ended up staying at a place called The Spectator, which is fantastic, uh, by the way. But I would say that I I inherited these little traits from, from my parents and grandparents, uh, but also put my own little like uh, in need of therapy spin on it. Like I, I don't, we don't travel cheap. We don't, we don't travel cheap or we just don't travel. That's not, it doesn't give us joy to travel cheap. I was looking at your money vigilance. Um, nothing you buy will ever feel as good as saving your money. Will I do not feel that way. <laughs> I love to spend money and I do not like now I like, fortunately my wife has been a saver since we were in college. And, and I mean, since we were in, since she had her first job, she's been a saver. Um, and so we have found ways to be wise with money within our own um, dispositions that isn't unpleasant or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you so have like your own buckets almost. Instead of bending myself to the will of a spreadsheet budget, which is just never going to happen for me. <laughs> like I do it once a year. I'll go through my credit card statements and I'm like, you know, and I'll look at what I'm spending every year um, just to be like, Ooh, we need to cut that out. And then I'm, I'm done for 12 more months, but we found little things that fit who we are and the way we feel about money. Like for example, um, my wife uh, works two days a week as a dental hygienist. gets paid very well for her time. Um, and she, we take that check, we put it in a separate bank. And I don't have access to it. I don't have a checkbook on it. I don't have a debit card. It just goes to another bank. And after a year, 
you look back and you're like, man, I've got a pretty nice, you know, and that feels good. I don't love doing it every week, you know? Um, So anyway, I was kind of looking at this and it's so funny how um, I was, when I was looking at your notes, I was thinking that you were saying to people like, Hey, trust me, it feels better to save than spend. And I'm like, no, it doesn't like it. It really doesn't. It's much better to spend. No, no. And you know what? I will say, I want to point out two things and I'm not a financial therapist, but I would point out two things about your grandpa too, is that like just hearing that he liked to travel cheap or frugally. Well, my first thought is that like, I hate the connotation and the thought process around the word frugal, because I feel like if you say you're frugal, that's almost like a bad thing. Right. Like I would say I'm frugal, but, and I even feel weird saying that. Right. Um, But I would say that your, your grandfather sounds like someone who just did not value or prioritize luxury travel, Mm -hmm. right? Like he wanted, the point was to travel. The point was to watch the game or be part of the environment at a UT football game, not necessarily having the entitlement or, you know, being able to say I have season tickets. Or like it was the thrill of the deal too, right? Right. I mean, it's yeah. like it's like spending and saving at the same time. You know, yeah. you get to do the thing you want to do, but you saved, you know, X off retail. And so, I mean, literally, the man taught me how to add. Like, he's like, "Hey, when you if you get thirty percent off, that means you're paying seventy percent of it. So really, you just take the price times seventy percent." I'm like, oh, you know, um, <laughs> I remember another funny thing. We would go. To Daytona Beach was his beach. We go date. We didn't have a hotel. We just go, and so you drive ten hours, and then you're like hopping all over Daytona trying to like shop in hotels, like the old fashioned way where you go in and you. Until I was, cell phones were long in existence, and he would still go in places and ask to borrow phones. So I think that there are. <laughs> I think that there's there's a mix there with him that it was almost this combination of he loved to, he did like to spend money. Like he, he had these rounds, he would go to Habitat every day. And, and it's funny, you would take some stuff to Habitat and he'd buy it back. He thought, <laughs> oh, this would look great on you. Like I just dropped it off. Um, but it was like the thrill of spending and saving at the same time, you know? Yeah. Like I get to spend and buy the thing, but I have a great deal on it. I will say my nicest pair of Johnson and Murphy wingtips are from Habitat and he bought them for me. There you go. It's a thrill of a deal. What's what's that saying? You get to have your cake and eat it too. And that's right. right? That's right. I love it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so money scripts are definitely one of the the biggest things and that you can call it whatever you want to call it, your history with money. Um, So, you know, when you start to talk to your partner about money, or if you really want to just start someplace, I will say that learning more about them and how they learned about money growing up saying, Hey, what did your parents ever teach you about money or what do you wish they would have taught you about money can really open up the door for some really great conversations. Um, and kind of like w- one more thing I'll say too about why couples fight about money is just, there's a lot of fear mm. of judgment of feeling shameful, right? Like we've all made decisions in our early twenties. We probably still make poor financial decisions today that if you were to say that to somebody doesn't feel good. And then Um, you'll hear, you know, my, um, Jake, the founder of experience your wealth, he says this, and and I love the the way he says it, but it's like, you've got to talk to your partner without using any shame or blame. When you look at spending together, when you look at your budgets together, it has got to be outside of the lens of shame or blame because then nobody's going to want to talk about it. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to feel yucky about an already crap 
conversation, right? Like nobody likes talking about money unless you're me. Um, but, but I will say that when we fight about money, when couples fight about money, that whole idea of like, you know, I, we were talking about this before. Um, if Jason did get upset with me about going to Target or I have a, I have, I have a coffee habit, love coffee. If he did get upset with me about something like that, the root problem is actually a lot deeper. It's not about spending the money on the coffee. It's not about spending the money at Target. It's a lot deeper than that, which leads to the next point, um, which I was explaining, you know, before we jumped on the podcast was you really have to hone in on what your why is. What is your why in life, just in life in general? And what I mean by that is, what do you want your life to look like? And, and, and to whoever's listening, whether you have a partner or not, you can still ask yourself this question. What do you want your dream life to look like? Now, we have to be realistic, right? Like, I'm not going to say that I want to go have my own personal jet in a Lamborghini and I want to have six houses. You have to be realistic about it. But what, is your, what do you want your dream life to look like? Right. Mm -hmm. At Experience Your Wealth, we work through these questions that are called Kinder's Questions. And it's a series of three questions and, and they have a very purposeful, um, they're set up in a very purposeful way. And at the end, you find out just through a series of questions and brainstorming and looking deeper at what you want out of life and your why becomes so clear. So my husband and I, I'll give a quick example we went through the, the questions separately as couples are supposed to do. You go through your own questions separately. You don't look at each other's answers before you answer your own since that can influence your answer. And, you know, part of, you know, one of my, one of the answers to my questions was I want to have a house on the lake someday. Well, why? Because Jason's mom has a river house up in Michigan that we go to. And every single time we have been to the river house, I have like these major moments of enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Something big happens, right? Like I joke with Jake, uh, the founder of Experience Your Wealth. I tell him, I'm like, I made the decision to come work for you there. Other big decisions were made when we were there. And I just feel like having the space away from home is a great place to just escape, have clarity, find mental peace. And, you know, subconsciously too, I was always really jealous. This is my money script, right? I was always really jealous and envious of my of kids in high school or school who had lake houses or their parents could afford to pay to take their friends on vacation. And I'm like, I want my son to be able to say, hey, so-and-so, come to our lake house with us for the weekend. And I want to have like this big, fun place where like we can all go and make really awesome memories. <clears throat> and then, you know, when I looked at my husband's answers, um, there were some things in there that we'd never, ever talked about. And, you know, like when I actually, my husband, if you know Jason, well, he is so content with life and he is a, he has changed the way that I view my own life, given my personal money scripts, right. And not even just money scripts, just my, my life growing up. He has changed the way that I look back at that. And I too, when I stop and think, okay, if we had the financial ability right now to build or buy a lake house, would we do it? And now the answer is no, because of some of the things I look at in the past, like we already have so much more than we ever could have asked for mm -hmm. that it feels selfish to want this big piece of property. Like a, it's a little house on some property, right? But it's a big expense. It's not cheap. Um, 
but there's there's so much more to the why like why do I want that lake house and it's to build those memories but I don't need the lake house to build those memories right we can do that in so many other ways and kind of like your grandfather I don't need to spend a lot of money to have a really good time we can take Holden and his friends on beach vacations or whatever and do and accomplish the same things that we want with this quote unquote, I'm using air quotes right now for those listening, mm-hmm. about having this fancy lake house. Like, right. I don't need that. But that comes again back to my money vigilance money script is that like, I don't, I don't, I don't look at money as creating like a status. It's, it's not yeah. something I need. I don't need to have the material things in order to accomplish what we want out of life. So that's a personal example of there. But um, I think you know, I, that's a complicated one because and it, okay, so I'll give you I'll give you two sides of that same um, question. So, um, I a friend of mine took me on my birthday uh, to Blackberry Mountain uh, to ride mountain bikes. And so, for those of you listening, I, I'm always surprised at how many people, even locally, don't know what Blackberry is. Like, it's like the best kept bougie secret. In East, I mean, these are Blackberry is, um, you know, probably on the low end today, maybe three million, and on the high end, twenty to thirty million dollar houses in Wall in Tennessee. And I'm and I'm ballparking those because they don't hit the MLS. It's super private. <laughs> they they trade on they they trade within Blackberry, very exclusive, very private, very quiet. They have Blackberry Farm, Blackberry Mountain. Anyway, friend of mine is a mountain bike instructor out there and took me to the mountain to, to ride. It was super fun. We spent, we got like 12 miles in. Awesome day. Um, so appreciative. And he and I were talking on the way home. I was like, when I was younger, as I was riding today, I would have been saying, one day I'm going to have a house here, you know? But now I'm like, I want to do what you do. You're an instructor. You get to come here and play and you don't have to own a place. Like, that's what I want. You, you kind know? of sound like your grandpa right there. Right. And <laughs> so, so I'll say that on one side now. And I, and I can remember a thousand scenarios like that when I was younger. I mean, I remember my wife and I walking down the beach in Hilton Head being like one day, you know, and the last freaking thing in the world, I want a beach house now, hurricanes, taxes, <laughs> I mean, you know, insurance, ridiculous. Um, but um, on the contrary, you know, Amanda and I, we bought a cabin last year and it was scary and it was not, it was not out of excess. It was very much a sacrificial purchase, Uh, not sacrificial. I mean, that sounds silly, but it was, what I'm saying is it wasn't like we had a pile of money laying around, you know what we should do? We should buy a cabin with that. I mean, we took some risk. Um, But uh, the mountains was a place, especially through 2020 that that I just saw my wife come alive, you know, I mean, she loves the mountains and, um, at a time of a lot of anxiety and worry, that was a place that we could get away and escape. And we did that quite a bit in, in those years. And I have, I had actually wanted a cabin there since probably 2018 when I started doing business in Spear County. Um, and we had for a long time, just kind of thrown a dart to like first quarter 22, we'll be ready. You know, we'll save and save and save and be ready. And so we ended up, we ended up buying one. Um, 
I was, I was up there for my birthday weekend a couple weekends ago and I met a guy at the bar at peaceful side and, and we're talking and he's like, yeah, my, you know, my dad has a cabin up here and this guy's in his fifties, sixties, his dad's in his nineties. He's like, he built a place up here and he's like, I just wish you to build it sooner so that he could enjoy it. Cause he's too old to get up there and enjoy it by himself. Now he built it at 85. He's 91. And it's like, you know, one of those up hanging off the top of a mountain. And he's like, I just wish you'd have built it sooner so he could enjoy it. But he had pictures of the whole family there for Christmas. And there was this whole like, I mean, formative. You think about like the river house and how formative that has been for, for Jason and his entire life and what you what that could be for your children. And um, I mean, we, we've said multiple times, and I've, I've worked in wealth management. I've worked with a lot of very wealthy clients. I've met their children. And then I just know people. I just got friends and family that that grew up with resources and some that didn't. And I have no interest in leaving my kids a pile of money. Zero. Like some of my buddies are like, um, yeah, I'm gonna start Roth for my kid. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm like, uh, uh-uh. no, that is mine. That is I don't even like, I don't even like, I don't even like 529s. Cause I'm like, if I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have to spend this money on your education if you make me angry. It's my money, right? So now what I want to do for my kids, what I would love and what I wish we would have had is a place to escape, right? Um, a place to get away and make memories with our family. And, and I say that, I don't mean that like, I don't want to give my kids money because it's mine. And I'm, there's some truth to that there's a little bit of selfishness there, but on the other, it is really like, it is really hard Um it is really hard for, for kids sometimes that have, it's hard for kids to develop skills to create money on their own when they've never had to before. Right. And and I don't think that that's necessarily a symptom of a wealthy parent or a non-wealthy parent. I think a lot of that is probably how their parents talked to them about money growing up. Right. Um, But at the the same route, I, I came around a long way to say that, um, the thing that Amanda and I say a lot is when we're when we're 80 and we're in rocking chairs, we're not going to sit around and be like, remember, remember that decade that we maxed the 401k out 10 years straight, baby, maxed it out. We're not going to talk about that. No. You know, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that trip to Charleston. We're going to talk about that trip to Asheville. That time we went to Wyoming, that cabin that we had. Wasn't that a sweet cabin in this great, you know, these memories we have with our kids. So I do think that. um I think that decisions like that take a lot of self-evaluation and um, and and probably just really good, deep, mutual conversation along with the topic, right? Most definitely. So, you know, kind of summarizing, figuring out what your why is together. So, and I didn't really explain what we do at Experience Your Wealth, but you just kind of touched oh, yeah. on all of it really at once is that we focus on working with travel loving young families, right? So we're not your typical financial planner. We're not, (laughs) um, I don't want to offend anybody out there that may listen to this that is in this position, but like, we're not the fat old white guy that is giving you investment advice, right? We're managing your assets. We're not doing that. We are doing full on life planning. And so we work through Kinder's questions because we want to help clients get on the same page of what's important, right? So like, Some clients may really want to invest all of their excess cash in crypto. The other partner may want to travel like they've never traveled before. And that's all that they want to do. And we help them 
merge what they value and what their goals are. So they're kind of on that same path to being able to accomplish everything that they want to do, whether it's a separate goal or a shared goal, we help them get to that point. Right. And so like when you're saying that you're not interested in, and I'm paraphrasing, but when you say that you're not interested in saving for your child's education, you would rather have the experiences today that is exactly why the firm is called Experience Your Wealth, because when we look back, if we have 24 hours to live, we're not going to look back and say, oh, man, I wish I would have funded that 529 more aggressively. Right. We're going to wish we would have spent more time with our family. We're going to wish we made it a priority to make it to the baseball games, right? We're going to make sure we're, we're just going to really regret the things that we didn't do when we had the time to do it, when we prioritized something else that felt intrinsically valuable, but wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think sometimes, I think that sometimes parents will work so hard and sacrifice so much to provide the private school education to go to, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that the kids end up resenting it. They're like, I'm sick of hearing you telling me how much you gave up so that I could have this. This is what I wanted. I wanted Nobody to wants it, to hear right? that. Right. So no. just to, just to clarify, I do plan on paying for my kids' education. I just don't <laughs> like 529s because it's stuck there. I, yeah, wanna, I, don't, I want other I don't options. like 529s either. Yeah, there's yeah. tons of other options, but I, I hear you completely there. Um, but, you know, I think that's kind of just like putting this all full circle is that you can avoid a lot of controversy mm-hmm. in friction in your relationship, whether you're married, you're dating, you're engaged, it doesn't matter if you just have the conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Like you cannot sweep the uncomfortable feelings of talking about money under the rug for years and years and years and think it's going to be okay. If you have debt, yeah, that sucks. It doesn't feel good. It's hard to pay off, but you've got to make a plan, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to buy an investment property and it's really important to you whether you want it for passive income or you want it for like the reason that I would like a piece of property is to have family memories be made. You have got to make a plan and talk about it because exactly, exactly like you said, is that you're going to wish you would have done it sooner. Mm-hmm. You're just going to. And, and I think it's um, it's very impactful, the work that we do at Experience Your Wealth because we have clients that will go through Kinder's questions. You know, the couples like Jason and I would do it separately. We come together with Jake. Jake kind of like tears it apart in a good way, but like we'll ask the bigger questions, the whys, the why, the why, why do you want this? What is that important to you? Like, why do you want to do this? And I can't tell you how many times you get to the end of the meeting at the end of the conversations. And I'm blown away by how often men get emotional and cry (laughs) because it's like a lot of this, it just, the reality is a lot of men take responsibility for money in a family. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men will think I need to make so much money so that way my family can live this life. So we can do this. So that way I can retire. So I can do this and that. But what is the why behind everything? And, and I'll say this too, is like a lot of people will say, I make really good money and it feels really uncomfortable to potentially stop working as much, stop making as much money to spend more time with my family. But family is typically the number one thing that it comes down to is what's most important. And so we find a lot of our clients are more willing to start reducing expenses, maybe sell the second car that's a $700 a month car payment, sell the house that 
that they love, but isn't matching what they want out of life. So that way they can take a lower paying job and spend more time with their family. So when you look and you start having these conversations with your partner, like what's the most important to you? My gosh, it can bring you so much closer Mm -hmm. and start eliminating those, those arguments or the, the dreaded conversations around money. So, so let me, I want to kind of wrap this, this way. Um, I get questions a lot from people our age um, who are looking for financial advice, but they're in their 30s, so they haven't accumulated. They haven't accumulated a lot of money, and most financial planners um, have minimums or charge a certain amount of fees or or whatever that makes it really difficult for young families to plan. So. Um, what would you say to those people? Is there a place for them at Experience Your Wealth? I mean, what is that? Is that something you guys do, or or what? What would you say? What are the kind of people that you're looking for? Is that did that make any sense at all? That question? No, that may, that makes perfect sense. And I would say that there are most definitely resources and certified financial planners like ourselves that are out there and ready to help. Um, like I mentioned, you know, our target client, our ideal client, is that. 30, 40 something young family, buying houses, having children, you have student loans, you have jobs, um, maybe you want to start a business. We don't manage assets. So we don't care how much you have saved. We don't. We're not going to charge you an asset under management fee, which you'll often hear as referred to as an AUM fee. So we work off of a straight subscription flat fee basis. And if you go to our website, experienceyourwealth.com, our fees are very transparent. It's open. You can see what your fee would be and how much you would pay and the services that we provide and like just our process in general um, and what we do for our clients. But most definitely, if you're in your 30s, your 40s, you've got student loans, you're working through buying homes or your business owner, there are most certainly advisors out here that want to help you. And I sometimes, and I think I've told you this story before, and I tell my husband all the time, sometimes I just hate telling people that I'm a financial advisor mm-hmm. or a financial planner because of the stereotypical way that those people are perceived. And it is that like, they're going to sell me something. They just want my money. I don't have enough money saved. They don't want to help me. And that's exactly why I left working for the firms that I worked for previously is because I I, I could not get on board with someone had to have a minimum of $500,000 for us to help us. Because if you look again, I've said this a lot, I'm sorry for that. But if you look back at the way that I was raised, if someone like my mom would have had access to a financial planner that was affordable, maybe she would have been able to make better financial decisions. And I'm a 100% proponent of everyone, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, should start having the conversations with a financial planner because there is so much opportunity for you to start building wealth in ways that don't require you to cut out joy out of your life. They don't require you to live off of a super strict budget. But in fact, it's the opposite is that if someone else is taking a look at your financial situation, they see what's coming in, what's going out, they can help you plan your taxes. There's so much more support for you to feel comfortable and, oh, I can save this much and I can do that. And that can be super, super enlightening. I love that. Well, thank you so much. And always, um, we're going to have to do another one because we we got through, <laughs> I knew we would, we got through three, we have four, five, six left. Um, that we'll do another one on. One is scheduling money dates. 
We have creating a budget, which bleh, but I nope. will partake with you. Um, hey, hey, but but the notes say no, don't start here. Ooh, See that? Yeah. Okay. Don't start with the budget. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Budgets are horrible. For, we're doing this for sure. Thank <laughs> you. I agree. Um, and then review spending. That is amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. Marie, thank you. You're so great. Always, anytime that I have a conversation with Marie, it's always thoughtful. Um, and I feel like if you don't write a book one day, I'm going to be disappointed. So um, <laughs> feel free to um, reach out to us um, and then we will get you uh, Marie's contact information as well. Is that okay with you? Sounds good. Yeah, that's um, wonderful. Thank if you. If you have any questions, because, um, and then we will we will schedule another one because this was amazing. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I know today was a little longer, but I hope that you found value in it. Give us feedback on these, what you like to hear about, what you want to hear more about. Um Remember, we're working um, nights and weekends, um, LTW group at fairwaymc.com, LTW group at fairwaymc.com. Um, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for the opportunity to take care of you and uh, hope you have an awesome weekend.